Blog Talk Radio. Happy to be here. Thank you. For those of you just tuning in, this is Uppercut. I'm Giandra LaBeouf, creator of BadCulture.net. I'm joined by Alan Swire, the director of El Boxeo, the documentary, if you are interested in purchasing it, and you should this holiday season. Um, Alan, tell them where they can purchase the documentary again. Best place right now is Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime, and you still have plenty of time to get it before the holiday on the 25th, or for Hanukkah, or for Kwanzaa, or for, <laughs> or if you're agnostic, just because it's a great documentary, you have plenty of time to get it. So this is a once-a-month series where Alan and I will take a little bit more of a candid approach discussing all the politics that are happening in boxing. Uh, tonight we'll talk about... Uh, the impending or not so impending matchup between Miguel or between Canelo Alvarez and Gennady Golovkin. We'll talk about a little. We'll talk a little bit about the recent uh, announcement of the 2016 Boxing Hall of Fame inductees. A uh, little, uh, lots of movement in the heavyweight division. If your last name is not Klitschko, this is your year to be. Uh, part of the heavyweight landscape and mix because a lot of movement has happened since the uh, the Russian wall came tumbling down in the last couple of years. So with that, this you know, is why I love this show. Else, yeah, we got that's a that's a lot of stuff happening, and then that's just over the course of a, a couple of weeks. So if you'd like to call in and talk to Alan and I, the dial the call in number is seven one eight five zero eight nine eight five two. Alan, where shall we begin? Since this is so we, you know I. I think that uh, I think we you know the first thing that, topic that you mentioned is in uh, in many ways the most interesting. The fans are clamoring for a fight between Canelo and Golovkin for 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 good reasons. Uh, you know, other than maybe Terence Crawford, they're the most exciting fighters on the scene at the moment, particularly Golovkin. But I don't believe it's ever going to happen, or if it does, it'll be. It'll be uh, anticlimactic in the same way that uh, uh, the Manny Floyd fight was, and, oh. and that, that that's for for a bunch of reasons. 
not the least of which is that despite what what the fans want, there are different boxing is first and foremost a business, and there are different factions, each of whom is interested in in getting its own way. In other words, we've got HBO, we've got Showtime, we've got Top Rank, we've got Oscar. We, you know, and one of the, another topic we can talk about is the fate of the plight of the the uh, the, the promoter who doesn't have a huge stable or a great relationship with one of those two cable entities. But you right. know, you've you've got you've got all sorts of factions, and then you've got fiscal reality. Now, remember the fight between um, Chavez Jr. And, uh, and Sergio Martinez. Yes. In order for that fight to take place, Martinez how, had to accept a pittance of what his opponent was making. Absolutely. He had to take peanuts to get that fight because, sadly, uh, for you know, Chavez brought a fan base with him. How much of that he he deserved is a whole other question. I, I you know I think that we can say pretty honestly that if his name had been Sanchez or or Suarez or uh, Rodriguez, uh, he wouldn't have had that same fan base. He was preying off of his father's reputation. His father right. having been a great great fighter, whereas Junior was certainly less than that. But Martinez was from Argentina, had precious little fan base. Right. Which meant that uh, that he needed the fight, but his opponent didn't. Mm-hmm. So he he fought for future revenue. In other words, if he won, which he did, he knew that uh, he would then be able to demand more money. Absolutely. He would never be able to demand great money because, again, he, he, he didn't put people in the stands. He didn't sell pay-per-views despite the fact that he was a really exciting fighter. And, and I think we should mention that had he been a lot of other guys, he would not have gotten hurt in that fight. He was way ahead on points, but came out and show, wanted to show his heart and try to put his opponent away. When you try to do that, when you try to end an opponent, knock him out, you run the risk of getting hurt yourself. And sadly, he was never the same fighter in the aftermath. He Got hurt it. his knee right. and... Right, and you know, and he was also not a kid at that point. And um, as I can attest, every time I uh, I try, you know, I try to do something excessive uh, a- after thirty or maybe forty, you know, uh, the recuperative time take is a little bit longer, um, you know, <laughs> if at all. But the problem, Golovkin is clearly an exciting fighter. Mm-hmm. However, despite the the, I think really wise attempt to make, to bill him as Mexican style and to build up his fan base he sold precious as we discussed last time we that we were together he sold precious few pay-per-views in his fight against Lemieux they right. so, sold about 150,000 at least 50,000 of which were sold in Canada now guess right. who those fans bought them to see right exactly so exactly. so it's really imbalanced and, and furthermore, Golovkin is capable of hurting somebody. What happens to Canelo's value if he gets roughed up badly by, uh, by Golovkin? If Canelo you know, it didn't... becomes roughed up, it's the equivocal end of Golden Boy, at least for the foreseeable future, because that is the prime cash cow. He's carrying the Absolutely. weight of the whole promotion on his back. Absolutely. He's their flagship. He, he's... He's everything they have going, 
And he, you know, he is at this point the Mexican hero. Um, he was able to survive the fight against Floyd because though he didn't look good, he didn't get hurt. But, you know, who's a, bit, who's a better knockout uh, puncher, Golovkin or Floyd? Obviously Golovkin. You know, absolutely. You know, so why, why, you know, why did I say it may take place way down the line? Because Golovkin is not a kid. Right. Uh, though he's in great shape and, is, and seems relatively new to us. Think of all the fights that he had uh, uh, overseas. Yeah, they said uh, his amateur career, he went fought like three or three or four hundred fights as an amateur. That's a lot of miles, even for a strong, dominant opponent. That's a lot of time sparring. That's a lot of time training. That's a lot of time running. That's a lot of miles on the body. Absolutely. And and also, he's not 25. He's not 27. You know, he's exactly. in his 30s. And time, you know, unless you're Bernard Hopkins, time can catch up to you, as Roy yep. Jones has shown us, Right. Right. <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> so, you know, so that oh, so that it said I would like to see that fight, and I'm sure you would, and probably everybody we know would like to see that fight. But the internet is abuzz with, oh, the fight will happen this time. The fight. Frankly, what, ever since Oscar, Latino fighters only fight twice a year for the most part. Mm-hmm. They fight on the two, you know, on uh, Cinco de, especially Mexican fighters, Cinco de Mayo. And uh, Spanish Heritage uh, Month, right? right? So that they make so much money, the, the the headliners, that they don't have to fight more than that. So how many opportunities will there be for Canelo to fight? And they'll milk it, and they'll milk it, and they'll milk it. And as you pointed out very wisely, Oscar will be delighted to keep the, the, the talk going but not to have the fight because mm-hmm. Canelo can make just as much fighting against lesser opponents. Which okay. you know, which we both, which you and I both know, and we've talked about it, means that the public gets to see an awful lot of exhibitions. Exactly, exactly, because they're going to need to keep him in a warm body. But I wouldn't be surprised at all if we saw him engaged in the same kind of thing that they're doing with uh, Triple G when we see him kind of at the the beginning of the first quarter or early in the second quarter of the year, where they take him over to Monte Carlo, and you know he does these exhibition bouts for like the Queen of Sheba. And, right. <laughs> you know, they put on these, these bouts that are, you know, completely irrelevant. They're, I mean, they're professional bouts, but, I mean, let's be honest, they shouldn't be part of the box rec because they're meant to be an entertainment factor. You know, I get this visual of, like, the royalty sitting on the throne and, you know, how the court jester comes in and does the whole routine. And, you know, I just, I imagine, I would love to go to Monte Carlo to see it, but I imagine it's paraded around something like that. It's not, you know, it's clearly not meant to be a competitive bout. And with this anointing of Canelo, he's the flagship, as you say, for Golden Boy. They could do the exact same thing with him in Mexico. Really, he wouldn't have to fight at all. Honestly, they could do all these media tours and promoting this product and that product and trying to maximize his earning power while he is still young. Because if he runs into this oncoming train in the tunnel. Absolutely. And Addie Golovkin, that could be the end. That was, I mean, in boxing, it's sad that losses determine the future of your career, whereas in other sports, it's not as and and remember that that lose, was that was not that is. was not the case. That was not the case once upon a time. Think back to 
to the heyday of boxing, whether on the East Coast or on this coast. Bobby Chacon, people wanted to see him no matter whether he won or lost because Bobby was a scintillating fighter. You knew right. he was he was he, he was charismatic. He was gonna, he had tons of heart. He was going to give his all. And there were so many good fighters that you didn't have to be twenty and zero with the last four bites the fights being against my my sister and my nieces. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know the uh, but how how many Floyd fights in the latter part of his career were really contested? He was carrying guys exactly. Uh, Unfortunately, and you know, which is why there's a fighter who's who's pretty much cooked now, who I who I appreciated I think more than most people around, and that's Nonita Donaire, who mm-hmm. I never thought was going to be the next Manny, but at a time when guys were, were fighting twice a year, if that, because remember we got Andre Ward and uh, and Mikey Garcia who were fighting only in courtrooms, mm-hmm. um, Donaire was fighting four or five times a year. And I really, really respect that because that means that the public gets to follow him. That means that that trainers and uh, and cut men get paydays. That mean that means that people on the undercard get get paydays. Plus, what's more exciting than you know for you and me? I know we share this feeling, and I'm sure a lot of the people who are listening do as well. You go to the fight. You don't own, you know unless you're in Vegas and and you're a high roller you don't only come in to see the main event if you're a boxing person you come in in the hope of discovering somebody new wow i like that fighter i wonder who he's going to fight next you know right. the more the more headliners we have the more undercards we have right. and that's where right. boxers get to be seen that's where they get to hone their skills there's a ceiling as to how how much you're going to improve in the gym yep no neil donaire is a great example let's take the fight he just fought last week a fight that he was expected to dominate. Somewhere early in the first half of the fight, he tweaks his ankle or his calf or whatever he did right. to his foot. It immediately becomes a different fight, and he and this guy went life or death, and it made a great, great fight. You had to admire the intestinal fortitude of Donaire to, instead of cowering and retiring on his stool, to hang in there despite, you know, a foot injury is debilitating in any sport in any sport, Absolutely. including golf or bowling or anything. So imagine you're already on weak footing trying to keep a guy off you, and the more he showed the signs of injury to his foot, this kid just kept coming and coming and coming, and then boom, look where we are. You have a fight of the year candidate. It puts Donaire back in high favor amongst fight fans as that guy who can battle back from adversity. And it gives this kid he fought against what was meant to be an exhibition. It gives an exciting look at a, at a guy who has another opportunity to fight another day. And as you said, the, the trickle-down effect is more people get work and the cut men in the corner and the fans get something exciting to see. You know, and it's a great outcome altogether. Absolutely. And, and remember, you don't need two great fighters to have a wonderful fight. I'm thinking right. now specifically, you know, in, in recent memory, the first two fights between Mike Alvarado and Brandon Rios were mm-hmm. really, one, you know, perfect entertainment for the fight fan. Absolutely. Absolutely, Absolutely. great entertainment. Neither one was a great, great fighter. The difference between the first fight and the second fight was that a guy named Rudy Hernandez, who I think is one of the unsung heroes of boxing, was listened to. He he was the guy, and and I you know give credit to Max Kellerman, who said, "Wow, the difference here is Rudy Hernandez," because Rudy you know who, 
who trained his brother Gennaro, Chicanito Hernandez, is, I think, the most underrated uh, trainer in, in the game today. He makes a, uh, much of his living is made as a cut man because Rudy does not pander. He will not go and, and, and put up with stuff in the way that some guys do. Uh, but I, to me, he, he really is uh, a, a, an amazingly gifted trainer who brings out the best in people. And Mike, who's, who's a wrestler turned boxer, fought a great fight. But, you know, if you want to see another great fighter at work today, a guy who really gets it, Terrence Crawford is really, you know, he is the, a gym rat in the very best sense. He's right. gifted. He, you know, he, he's, he, he's ambidextrous, or as some people like to say, amphibious, which, you know, one of my favorite jokes. Uh, but, he, you know, his fight against Gamboa, which shouldn't have been his fight. That was a Mikey Garcia fight, but Mikey you know, was, was preferred to fight in the courtroom so that the world discovered uh, Bud Crawford, who was, you know, who's the other really exciting fighter on the scene. And it's nice to have an American fighter. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, just this past week, um, Terrence Crawford, uh, one of his trainers, uh, Coach Red and uh, Stephen Breadman Edwards, they do a show on the network too. And Red is a, a frequent caller of the Ruckus Show on Tuesdays. And this week, he was a bit agitated. You know, as you know, they're waiting to see what happens with Manny Pacquiao. Manny Pacquiao was expected to name an opponent last week during right. the, the uh, broadcast. Didn't name an opponent. Largely looked like we're going to get Pacquiao Bradley three. When he didn't make that announcement, maybe he's reconsidering after maybe the public response to that wasn't to his liking, so maybe they're reexamining um, Pacquiao Crawford, and you know they're really kind of sitting on their edge, on the edge of the seat, waiting to see what's going to happen. They've maintained themselves in the gym. He's still training. He's currently sparring. Uh, Red mentioned he sparred like nine rounds this past week, and he's just excited to go. But now that people are starting to really take notice and really identify. Terrence Crawford as that guy who could be the future of boxing, of course come the naysayers and the people from the amateurs and the people who want to undermine that annoying. One example in the past couple weeks was Angel Garcia, the father and trainer of Danny Garcia. We had a press conference this past uh, last week at the downtown near the Staples Center to announce the fight that he has upcoming with Robert Guerrero. Now, before... When Danny was sitting high atop the 140-pound throne, you know, he mentioned mm -hmm. Terrence Crawford. They mentioned him favorably. Oh, he was a tough opponent. We fought him twice in the amateurs. It was really close. One fight could have gone either way. One fight Danny won. One fight Terrence Crawford. He's a real tough, tough guy. We fast forward to now where it's a different Terrence Crawford in the landscape, and it's, oh, he wasn't that tough. Danny blew him out. It wasn't a competitive wow. matchup, et cetera, et cetera. So... <laughs> When you start hearing the detractors come out of the woodworks like that, that means that is the guy you need to keep your eye on. Look at how much the intensity and scrutiny and the hate was for Nonito Donaire, like Absolutely. you mentioned. You know, Absolutely. he was a guy who was setting a trend with, you know, test, drug test him of my own financial abilities any time of year, really took a stance, had some great victories, fighter of the year, then it was, oh, you know, he's not that great. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But he was a tough guy, and so now will be interesting to see 
how the reception is to Terrence Crawford. He's a favorite of mine as well. And you know, what do you think of that fight, Terrence Crawford versus Manny Pacquiao? You know, I think it's milking. It's 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 top rank saying, okay, it's another. It's we we need a new headliner. Manny will get a big big payday. Crawford won't, but Crawford will then become our next meal ticket. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you tell me. You know, I look. I I don't want to badmouth top rank, but do you think that they've been on uh, on top on the on top of their game in, in the last couple of years? They took Not a beating with Cotto. Well, yeah, they took a beating with Cotto at Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. You know, then came the whole Re- Freddie Roach regener. You know, regeneration. The he's revivified. He, you know, who was he fighting? Cotto had a great career, but it feels like he's been around for a hundred years. Absolutely. And fine, you know, um, he looked better than he'd looked. But again, you know, who was he fighting? And and at least, I mean, I can re- recall too, far too vividly when Cotto was fight was to fight Manny. I went with Larry Merchant to the the workout, you know, the press workout that Cotto had. And Larry, you know, Larry, who's, who's one of my favorite people and, and a close friend, said, boy, Koto looks good. What do you think? And I said, he doesn't have a chance in hell. Mm. And he said, how can you say it? I said, he fired his trainer, and he's got his buddy. So it's going to be Manny and, and Freddie against uh, against Koto. Right, right. You know, he has no chance. He, and whether that was him flexing his muscles or not wanting to pay a real trainer, who knows, who cares? It, it was silly. Finally, as a trainer, but, it, you know, it's it's late in the game, and we know that uh, Trampler is a great matchmaker, but sometimes that means building a career the right way. Sometimes that means uh, setting up a fight that's just competitive enough. In mm. other words... Where you know we can we can get some heat for Koto again, but he's not going to want you know he's unless unless he twists his ankle, nothing bad's going to happen. Absolutely, yeah. You know the whole and you know I I admire Miguel Cotto. I'm definitely not a Miguel Cotto hater, but let's just be honest with this whole recrafting or recreation with him and Freddie Roach. The victories and the success that he had with Freddie Roach were the result of very, very careful matchmaking. Absolutely. They weren't putting and, him and, in there with a real, you know, a real dog in the fight. He fought Delvin Rodriguez. Did anyone think Delvin Rodriguez was in any danger of defeating Miguel no, Cotto? Come on. And then uh, what was the other? Was it Martin Murray? Yeah. One of those you know, kids they, that Debella has. But there was no danger of Miguel Cotto losing any of those fights. They sure didn't put him in there with Triple G. They didn't put him in Absolutely. with the, the rest of the stellar middleweight division. And while we're talking about that and we're talking about Cotto, let me get your opinion on the fact that Miguel Cotto was the WBC champion. Can you legitimately be a champion <laughs> at, at middleweight if you don't fight at middleweight? The middleweight, is, middleweight <laughs> division is defined as 160 pounds. Cotto probably only weighs 160 pounds in the middle of the summer when he's laying on the beach drinking coquito Absolutely. and having mofongo. Well, when is Again, he really yeah, right. 160 pounds? <laughs> By the way, I'm the other person who, who knows who knows what mofongo is and loves it. <laughs> the first too. thing I eat I when I'm in when I'm it. in Puerto Rico is mofongo. Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you and I love to eat, so we we share that in addition to our love of boxing. Now, Absolutely. look the the whole the whole weight thing is is silly, and and the worst part of all is the catch weight game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, let's have a fight that's not real. 
Mm-hmm. Neither one of us has to really work at this fight. And oh, let's be a you know today you're a middleweight because the division has nobody else going going in it. Right. Or you know look and again this is kind of awkward stuff because uh, Jose Suleiman was a friend of mine. Mauricio was a dear friend. But come on, this is all, there's hanky-panky all the time. There's monkey business. You know, you've got interim champs, and you've got this, and you've got, and the whole alphabet soup. Uh And, you know, what what it, the sad thing is, I don't want to inflate the importance of MLB or the NBA or the NFL. You know, they, they, not one of them is a paradigm of great behavior. But at least you have one entity, whereas in boxing, you've got a zillion entities, each with, with, it, with its own mandate and each with, it, with, with it, its, its own little fiddling game. And nobody, you know, nobody has the power to say this is how it's going to be. And what right. it does is it, it, vichy, it, it really waters everything down. And they're, they think they're winning short term, but long term, big picture. They're hurting the sport because mm. the public doesn't know who's the middleweight champ, who's the welterweight champ, who's the light heavyweight champ. You got right. this one, that one, and the other one, and you know, and cumulatively, they, it doesn't really mean, add up for any of them. And the fact of the matter is, it you know, it was it, it seems like a million years ago, but it wasn't that long ago that boxing was front page news. You know, the closest we've seen was the pseudo-event between Manny and Floyd, right. you know, after which boxing had to be fumigated because everybody, right. you know, every, everybody walked away saying, this is Chernobyl, this is Three Mile Island, this stinks, you know, we've yeah. been had, I'm, I'm never, you know, the fact of the matter is we go out and see a, a terrific movie, the first thing we ask when, uh, upon getting back, you know, leaving the movie theater is, "Hey, that was great. What else is playing?" Mm-hmm. You have a, mm-hmm. a, you know, you do that. You have a great meal somewhere, and immediately you say, "Wow, this was fun. What other good restaurants have, have I been missing?" Mm-hmm. You know, you see a great fight, and you say, "Man, I can't wait." But it wasn't that long ago that that not just boxing fans, but sports fans, and even civilians knew about and cared about Pickham, Ray Leonard, Oscar De La Hoya, Marvin Hagler, Tommy Hearns. These, you know, these, I'm not even, we're not even talking about heavyweights. I mean, Muhammad Ali was probably the most recognizable figure in the world. You know, that's a whole other thing. Tyson, everybody knew about. Sports fan, boxing fan, or, you know, or, or, uh, uh, Manicurist. Nobody in the world didn't know who Mike Tyson was. Um, now, you know who who do people know who if they're not boxing aficionados? And the problem is that they're all all these entities are little fiefdoms that don't work together to uh, to really better the sport. And of course, that it's not in the Olympics really hurts. And you know, at the top of the show, you talked about the heavyweight situation. How many people in the world know or care about Tyson Fury or or the you know the the Klitschko brothers or Deontay Wilder, and that's I that's would, a real shortcoming. I would wager I could walk out my house right now, and you know I live in a very urban landscape where you know boxing should be you know predominantly black and Latino neighborhood. I could go outside 
and walk probably and go from door to door to door to door to door to door. And I doubt, I even, there's going to be some Puerto Ricans on the corner. I think that none of them would have any idea who Tyson Fury is, to be honest. Right. No, I, or Deontay and, Wilder, or um, these kids who are going to be in this IBF eliminator, uh, Charles Martin and, 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 and Spilka. Or, or or any of these guys, they have no clue. The only name they probably could give me is Floyd Mayweather. That's yeah, it. no, absolutely. Because Floyd, May- Floyd well, you know, I, you, I, you, you've heard me say, you, you've heard me talk about what you know what Floyd is to me. Floyd is the single most exciting boxer in the world until he steps into the ring. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's true. he's a he, he's a great defensive fighter. Um. Sadly, the last third of his career is basically, you know, marking time and, and making money. Right. Um, you know, he, but, but he, you know, you got to give him his due. He really, he's an intelligent fighter. He's in fantastic shape. Um, he grew up, you know, he grew up in the sport. But he, he, he got by osmosis more than most fighters will ever get. His right. dad, his uncle, I mean, that, that's, that's really boxing royalty. Yeah. And Floyd, you know, which doesn't 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 hit you if you're not interested in the sport or don't have any skills. Floyd had great interest in it and had great skills, but you know, Floyd is also somebody who is willing and capable of stepping of stinking up the ring if that's what he has to do to get a W. That's right. That's right. And that that doesn't help the sport. You know, again, I, I I talk, I, I the, you know I the, everybody loved. What Sergio Martinez did against Chavez Jr. and everybody, you know, and it gave them the the chance if if Martinez hadn't gotten hurt for a couple of more fights between them, because Chavez near people could say, oh, Chavez redeemed himself in round twelve. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but uh, that's we we need more more guys like Martinez, more like like Crawford. Um, and you know, we, we, all we have to do to see, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll swing around to something else to see how the hero business in boxing is dwindling. Look at this year's uh, people who, are, you know, list of people who are being inducted into the Hall of Fame in Canastota. We're, you know, the the great fighters are all in there. Right now, we're, you know, in in baseball. If they, you know, if they don't have people, they don't induct, or they only induct a couple. But boxing, being a, an individual sport rather than a team sport, doesn't have as many people to draw from, and they don't want the institution to die. And so I'm thrilled. Colonel Bob Sheridan is is a friend of mine, a great guy. Most people have never heard of him, but he's done. He's, he's called more fights than anybody else alive. Oh, Mainly wow. on on foreign you know on foreign feeds, but a great great guy, colorful, knowledgeable, smart, fun, funny. Um, but you know, and you know, other than you and I, how many people know who Mark Ratner is? Right. You know. Right. Hector Camacho was was a, a very good fighter. Mm-hmm. You know, and a colorful one. But you know, I I've never seen him in a top ten all time list. Have you? Never, never, not even now. Loopy. Yeah, Lupe Pintor was a very good fighter, but you know we're not we're not talking about we're, we're, you know we're 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 not talking about guys who uh, who dominated the sport. Right. Absolutely. It's, it's, who, it's really it's sad. who else do we have? Yeah. No. It's who yeah. else do we have? 
It's really scraping the bottom of the barrel, and it's going to get progressively worse. You know, let's look at who we have potentially that's active who could go into the Hall of Fame. Roy Jones won't sit his ass down long enough. Right, of course, and same with Hopkins. Of the clock on him. This should be Roy Jones' weekend. He should have been stopped, started the clock on the Hall of Fame run. But, nope, he's still going over to Russia getting knocked out cold. And he, and how about how about Bernard Hopkins? Bernard, Exactly, Bernard Hopkins, another example. You know, I love Bernard, but just officially announce the, the clock and, let, let, you know, let's get the clock running for Bernard Hopkins. And um, let's see who is out there. I mean, even, hell, let's even, who else can we throw in there? Might as well throw in at Vitaly Klitschko either. If you're going to put the current class in there, you might as well include him in the class too. Absolutely. Look, you know, at some point, I'm not 100% certain that Floyd won't fight again. You know, I'm not uh, I, you know, uh, I don't know how Floyd's going to going to find living outside the spotlight. You know, he doesn't need he the money. Do That's the point. I mean, what you know, uh, I don't think Floyd is going to go to college. Do you? <laughs> not at all. You know, not and at all. Uh, how many how many pickup basketball games can you play? Um, you know, he's been living in a gym his entire life. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't think Floyd is, is trying to figure out, you know, which books he can order from Amazon. And, you know, and I'm not trying to put <laughs> Floyd down, all. but, you know, people, you know, it, that, that could be true of anybody, of any athlete, you know, white, black, Latino, Asian, it doesn't matter. So I'm not trying to beat up on Floyd. Um, you know, but the people who have who have had a structure to their lives since childhood, suddenly without that, you know, how how do you fill the day? You know, it's almost like Floyd has that Kobe factor. We see Kobe exactly. is retiring this year. What's he going to do? Would you Is Kobe one of the greatest players of all time? Absolutely. Would I want Kobe to coach me? No. Would I want Kobe on the commentating desk? No. You know, there's certain levels of – of genius, and just because you were a genius or at the top, the pinnacle of your respective talent, doesn't mean that skill set translate into passing on the wisdom to someone else. Well, I just, also, I mean, if you if you want to talk about that, you know, talking about a Laker, you tell me, Kareem is one of the most intelligent people in any sport at any time. Why did he never get a coaching job? He has the personality of about. Um, Box full of, of a lemon, right? A oh, lemon, right? Just you know, awful. Uh, and it's and it's a pity. It's a pity because he's got tremendous knowledge to impart, but he burned bridges. You know, I maintain, and we're getting away from boxing, but I maintain that Kobe turned into Barry Bonds the last couple mm-hmm. of years. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, whereas you know Michael Jordan, for all his faults, he made his teammates better. Whereas Kobe. You know, just look at the Dwight Howard situation. Look at a lot of other guys who played with him and why they can't attract free agents. Nobody wants to be subjected to the glare. Exactly, exactly. They're all adults there. Even if they're younger, you know, they're going to have a certain respect for the hierarchy of the team. But I'm not going to go to my job every day and have someone else at my job look at me that way. Well, Jordan, Jordan was delighted if he was able to kick out the ball for a winning jump shot from Hodges, Kerr, or Paxson. With Kobe, you know, whether it was Steve Blake or Luke Walton or, you know, or Smush Parker, uh, Kobe, you know, they, they would double clutch because they knew that they were going to get the glare if they missed. 
Mm-hmm. And basketball exactly. is a loose muscle sport. The minute you start tensing up, you're not, you know, you're not hitting that jump shot. Sorry. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and so, and then you know, with all the wealth and all the, you know, at the core of these guys, and I feel like uh, in the end, Serena Williams will always be this way. You know, with all the money and all the things, you can only buy certain. You know, so many things. What made these guys successful and great was their hunger and their desire to train and be the best. And that's something that money cannot buy. And, Absolutely. You know, I don't, I, I don't even know what I – I don't presume to know what's best for Floyd Mayweather because obviously I don't. But he's, he's going to fight. He's going to be one of those guys like, like Roy. You know, hopefully, I hope he doesn't overstay his welcome and it gets to the point that we're watching fights from, like, Czechoslovakia and Floyd, you know, 15 years from now is fighting Absolutely. these young lions and getting knocked out. I just hope it doesn't get to that. If he's going to stay retired, stay retired. But, you know, for all intents and purposes, he is young body-wise in the sport because that we know at least for the last – Six fights since he's been with this Showtime deal, he hasn't really taken any punishment or any or any abuse. So right. I mean, you know, but then and he's, a, he's he takes great pride, you know, much as Hopkins does in keeping his body at its best. You yeah, know, you you have to you have to really admire the dedication that both of those guys have. They don't turn into the Goodyear blimp and then have to take it off. Absolutely, you know, witness witness Chavez Jr who's nowhere near as good and much younger than both of them. I'm you know, sure his father to, must be mortified. Well, you know, I I think that his father likes the fact that his kid is making a living. What else is he going to do? <laughs> you know, yeah. and it gives, it gives the dad a reason to get out of Culiacan and put, you know, put the red thing around his head. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know that's my boy. You know, there's always like that that school teacher, that police officer whose kid followed them into the same profession, and it's just not a the same result. But it's like, hey, you know what? You can you, you let them into the party because hey, it's Chavez's kid. Do, do we do we dare mention Pete Rose Jr.? Oh my, not at all. <laughs> poor exactly. guy, nice guy, poor guy. You know. <laughs> you know what? What do you do? You know, and going back, touching upon something you said since we're talking about Chavez Jr. again and Sergio Martinez and how he felt at the end of that fight. You know, he fought with his heart on his sleeve and and tried to uh, knock Chavez Jr. out and left him vulnerable. The same thing happens to Tim Bradley. Look at how many times. That's happened to him like two or three times now. He doesn't listen to his corner. It happened with him with the Provodnikov fight. It happened with him with the Jesse Vargas fight. And now... I'm very curious to see when he gets into his next real live fight how Teddy Atlas is going to wield that in and really yeah, make no, him listen to yeah. the corner or if it's going to be the same result. What do you what are you, what you are know, your thoughts on the that pairing? You know, I I Brad, I'm glad you brought up Bradley because he's a really interesting phenomenon. You know, he the poor guy is a really good fighter mm-hmm. who sadly has no knockout power. But cannot, for the life of him, get an audience. Right. Cannot build a fan base. You know, maybe if he'd come, if he came from a fight town, if he came from, you know, as Crawford comes from Omaha, guys come from Philly, and the fans come out for him. You know, mm-hmm. you know who who who's the fight audience in Tim Bradleyville? You know, I, Coyotes. 
you know, coyotes. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, you know, you know, know the and, problem is they they did Tim Bradley wrong. What they should have done with Tim Bradley is mold him like they kind of the Golovkin effect in reverse. Tim Bradley Absolutely. is from down there in Palm Springs and Indio, and what's down there? You know, predominantly if ninety percent Latino. I can't think of any other ethnicity of fighter that's come from that region. Right. And you know, there's a lot of good guys that come out of there. And you know, on paper it looks good. You know, he's got a Mexican wife and kids and everything. He's a Mexican trainer and all of that. But he still wasn't going to capture that audience or have those people. He wasn't excited exciting enough or had a brawling style that would captivate well, that's it. Mexican he, fight he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't come fi- forward he doesn't want to mix it up he's an intelligent fighter and mm-hmm. you know unfortunately it is not his fault right. that Manny gave away a fight you know right. uh, I was at that fight I, I suspect you were as well mm-hmm. Manny fought the last minute of every round that's right that's right and and everybody, you know, and you know, there, there's, there was always some unease in the boxing world. Maybe Manny didn't deserve a couple of those uh, decisions that he got against Marquez. Oh, absolutely. And you know, you, you know, and so, guess what? If you don't fight the full, you know, the full, uh, the the full round, you're hoping that your reputation is going to give, you know, fighting the last minute is going to give you the edge because you're the champ. Well, unfortunately, there was a downside to that same reputation, which is, hey, he got lucky with some of those decisions. And uh, I, you know, I blame Manny for, you know, and Freddie for not making that a real fight. But it's not Bradley's fault that he won and the world held it against Bradley. But again, you know, who who is Tim Bradley as a fighter? Is he a boxer? Is he a, a puncher? Is he, you know, he there he doesn't have a distinctive style. He's just a very smart, skilled fighter who has to win on points. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, te, you know, Teddy did a really nice job with him last time, but that's it's the novelty, and maybe it was just the opponent. We'll have to see. You know, you look at Tim Bradley and you say, boy, I bet you this guy's capable of knocking a guy out in the second round, and then it doesn't happen ever, 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 ever. Um, yeah. But, you know, but you're right. I mean, if if they tried to build him as a Mexican fighter, but that would have meant changing his style, and who knows if he could have done it. And also, he needs to fight, again, he's another guy who needs to fight more often, but HBO doesn't want to give him those fights. And and there was a point, I don't know where he stands now, but there was a point where, after beating Manny, where he was demanding really ridiculous money, considering that nobody, you know, nobody says, wow, when is Tim Bradley fighting again? That's right. That's right. You know, if he pops on, it's kind of like that, um, you know, when you're watching, say, it's defunct now, is uh, Friday Night Fights. And, oh, you know, the fights oh. are coming on. You turn it on and you go... Oh, Tim Bradley's fighting. It's kind of that knee-jerk reaction, not, oh, when is Tim Bradley going to get in the ring again? Exactly. i got to see when this guy. And, you know, it just, it just makes me wonder where the turn went wrong in his career. Because there are fighters who are clearly less than stellar, who have had some very exciting, memorable moments. And, honestly, the best moment I can think of, of Tim Bradley's career was a fight with Provodnikov that he nearly lost. 
Well, you know, I can't it's funny. think of the, any the, other fight that really inspired me. Like, woo, Tim Bradley is that guy. Well, see, that you mentioned something that I'm really glad you brought that up. You, you know, there, there needs you. Every fighter needs to have defining moments in his career. The fight where that everybody remembers. The fight where, wow, he sh- he surprised me. The fight where he showed amazing heart. The fight where he came back against all odds and scored a, 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 a 12th round knockout. The fight where, wow, you know, with with Bradley, that fight doesn't exist. The interesting thing about the Provodnikov fight is that I watched that two completely different ways. I was in the second row. No, I was in the first row at Carson for that fight. Mm-hmm. And the fight that I saw there was completely different than the fight that I TV'd. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because Tim Brad up close, I could see how wounded Tim Bradley was, but how brilliantly he he kept that from uh, the judges. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was the mark of a veteran fighter. Right. Right. Uh, you couldn't tell that. With the, because the camera is farther back, you couldn't tell that on the the TV version. Mm-hmm. Same I fight, two at, different fights. I was at that. Where was I sitting at that fight? I was sitting in media, but not ringside media. I was sitting a little in the stands, which actually was better for my my vantage point. And right. that fight, I I just remember that fight came up, and it was, I believe, it was his first fight after the Pacquiao win, right. and. That arena was so empty. You know, StubHub has become a hotbed these days, but no, hardly anyone there. But once that fight got going, people took notice, like, damn, this is a, a, a great fight. And I just, I'm always curious to where it went wrong. Bradley is such a great fighter. Should they have focused on you know, a little bit more exposed. I mean, you know, what do you think could have been done to even cultivate? Should he have left India or with that area where he's living and, and gone somewhere else? Would that have made a difference? I mean, I don't know. Well, was Tim Bradley going, even born yeah, down there? Going, going somewhere is too late. You know, you've got you've to grow up with, you know, as, you know, Mike Mile High Alvarado, you know, where, where it's part of who you, you know, what, how you're known. And where you have fans who will do anything for you, um, that that does you know look at look at what happens uh, you know when when a, a Mexican American fights a Mexican national here in L.A., everybody in East L.A. roots for the Mexican national, even if the guy you know the Mexican American lives down the block from them or is their nephew. Um, you need you need the fan base. If you don't have that na- fan base. You better have a really great style that, by audio, by that I mean, you know, fan winning style. Because you know, if you have a, a rigando style, you know, you have to hand out nose clips for those people <laughs> who, who stumble into the into the arena. Wah, um, wah, wah. You know, and another really good fighter, but you know, paint watching paint dry is more fun than watching rigando. But Bradley, they never made any attempt to play with his personality. You know, he's supposed to be a really good guy. I've only, met, you know, spoken to him in passing. People identify, if there's a narrative, people identify. Think about the brilliant way that Oscar was 
introduced to the world. It didn't hurt that he won the Olympics, but even more was that he was doing it for his mother, who was who, mm-hmm. who was dying. You know, uh, the the whole fake scandal where Larry Merchant, uh, you know, uh, they were playing mariachi music, and Larry Merchant said, "Oh, yeah, you're going to tell me that Oscar listens to mariachi music when he's driving." And, you know, and, and Aram blew that up sky high. How dare he? That's racist. You know, poor Larry. You know, you, you and I both know that Oscar, you know, uh, Oscar does not have a great collection of uh, mariachi da- downloads or CDs. Come on. Um, but, you know, all that stuff is designed. That's the other side of promotion. Promoting is not merely getting your fighter fights. It's also, prom- you know, think about the job. Don King was news. Mm-hmm. Everything you know, did. He, absolutely. And in that, you know, there are there downsides to Don, Don King, but in that sense, you've got to give him his due. He was brilliant. He made, the, the journalists loved him. They knew they were going to get a story, and the public ate it up. You know, it didn't hurt that he was dealing, for the most part, with, the, you know, with, with pretty good heavyweights. But, you know, Aram, too, you know, Aram is, you know, getting old, and uh, I don't getting think old. either one of us. Grandpa yeah, right. is up there, <laughs> and I don't think either one of us considers Todd to be the most charismatic promoter on the planet. No, he just you know he looks the part, but you know. <laughs> is that how he looks to you? I mean, we, yeah, I'd love to. I'd go to like a party. But you know, he more looks the part than you know. No one's hanging on his every word at a media address. Absolutely. Well, he, you know, he's not colorful. And, you know, what was the joke about Mitt Romney? He, you know, he was born on third base and he was stupid enough to think he hit a triple. <laughs> you know, when it comes to Tim Bradley, let's look at that. You know, Tim Bradley has been with Top Rank for a large portion of his career. And Top Rank, whenever they're having their tit-for-tats with Floyd, they – are very vocal with their assertion that we built Floyd to the Floyd that he is. And I wonder if there was a little Cain and Abel effect or maybe uh, we can't promote these two black guys equally or, you know, what's the deal? You know, they take so much responsibility for crafting Floyd. Why didn't they take the same interest in Tim and Tim was also winning fights? Absolutely. No, you're absolutely right. You know, part of it is that Tim was never sold as a black fighter. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Not that I can recall. Can you? Not at all. I, when I think of him, that's not, you know, when I, I, don't, I don't think of Tim Bradley. I think of, a, what was the, the, the word that the girl who was pretending to be black? Transracial. It was more of a right, transracial and, approach. And how about Floyd? Do you think about Floyd as a boxer or do you think about Floyd as a black fighter? We think of I think of Floyd as a as a black fighter, and now my in point his is, later exactly. part of his career, I think of him as a money fighter. But you yeah, know, well, that this, was yeah, and that was not top rank. That was Floyd. Absolutely, absolutely, and just the whole you know the whole building of Floyd, and even you know they're it's almost like they're trying to right their wrong with Terrence Crawford. They're doing the right thing by building him up in Omaha, but as his trainer, one of his trainer readily acknowledges it's time to grow beyond that too and so it will be very interesting to see how they are going to craft him as well 
uh, Terrence Crawford is not the most vocal guy. You know, he's a you know a humble guy, keeps to himself, and you know you're not going to see him in all these videos and just out and about and buying tigers and doing things like that. But you still have to sell the fight. You know, there's a world beyond Omaha. There's a world beyond the corn. Well, absolutely. And 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 who's at fault? Is it? top rank is it hbo or is it both of them hbo doesn't want to pay him big money that's right you know um and again you know look i like all these people peter nelson i mean these are all good good people but are they you know are they think about uh unfortunately it was the steroid era but baseball was having was in terrible trouble and they promoted the long ball Mm-hmm. Remember the commercial with the uh, with the the Atlanta Braves pitchers Maddox and Glavin, where they couldn't get attention, and somebody says why, and, and somebody else says, "Oh, chicks love the long ball." Mm-hmm. You know that was all part of it was the sponsors, it was MLB. Sure, everybody was juicing, but they they rebuilt baseball. You know, people who were not baseball fans were were really following McGuire versus Sosa. Who's going to do it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's that's. You know, in in movies, the, what you what you pray for is what's called off the entertainment page news. Mm-hmm. In boxing, that means off the you know in sports, that means off the out of the sports section. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. the only time in in recent years where that happened, other than Floyd, you know, well, you know, Floyd was news no matter what he did. But right. you know, it it really the you know it the culmination was Floyd Manny, where it was front-page news and on TV everywhere. Other than that, in truth, Floyd only really did great numbers when he fought uh, a Mexican with a, fo- with a following or a Mexican-American with a following. In other words, right. Oscar or Canelo. Floyd right. did not bring in the giant pay-per-views other than, than that. And, and the, you know, the Oscar was the biggest one until Canelo. But Canelo can sell 40,000 seats in San Antonio. Absolutely. Absolutely. You yeah, know, which begs the question, is, is he a great fighter, or would he, you know, would he have this kind of following if he didn't have red hair? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, one of my, um, one of my peers said recently, the other night we were discussing uh, Canelo and Golovkin, and he kind of said flippantly, I don't even know if I would rank Canelo as the pound-for-pound best in Mexico, let alone in all of boxing. And I thought that was really telling. I'm like, that's a really, really insightful thing to say. You know, Canelo is that kid who is the result of careful crafting. Absolutely. The the nickname tells you everything. The nickname, you know, a Mexican, a redheaded Mexican fighter who was dating Miss Mexico? Right. Right. Yeah, come on. That's a that's a dream come true. He doesn't have to be a good fighter. You know, and Canelo's not a bad fighter, but you know, uh the problem is who else is from Mexico right now who everybody knows about? Who else is from who's from Puerto Rico who everybody knows about? Why you know, is they're Coto trying to build still... up this kid uh, Verdejo, but other than that Right. And you know, and that paucity is is really scary. Who's yeah. you know, other than Crawford Who's a really interesting young American fighter, let alone black fighter? Right. Uh, you know, where where is the the you know if you're worried about this year's inductees into into Canastota, you know, 
who's filling the gap? Who are you know? Baseball has a new, a whole new slew of young stars. Mm-hmm. Bryce Harper. You know, you look around there. You know, they're they're exciting guys. You know, the 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 Dodgers have Sager, who looks like he's going to be the next one. There, there's a whole group of kids, literally kids, playing baseball now. Who you know, who daddies are going to want to bring Junior to see? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, but we don't have this. And you know, and every year, you know, the the NBA rookies, you know, get a tremendous amount of attention, of attention, which is why they have the one year in college rule, mm-hmm. because that's where the guys get their reputation. You know, at a high school, nobody knows who Carl Anthony Towns is. That's right. But at a Kentucky, everybody, you know, everybody's, oh man, you know, uh, it's free. It's promotion for a year for you know for the NBA. Right. You know, Durant right. coming out of Texas, you know, um, but boxing desperately needs that kind of thing. And, um, I, you know, I think that everybody, you know, top rank was wound, is a little wounded now. Oscar is a little wounded now. You know, we're, we're going to get it from Lou DiBella? No. Lou DiBella, let's just call him PBC East because we know that's <laughs> what the deal is with that. Uh, Eddie Hearn over across the pond is now PBC England. Um, right. We got out here. Goose and Tudor is PBC West. Mayweather Promotion is PBC Vegas. Or you know, they're all just kind of factions. It's all like the you know the Walmart approach, and then you have or the Kaiser approach. You know, for right. people who live in California who have an HMO, you know, Kaiser's, Kaiser's everywhere. But then you can drive through your neighborhood and find the eye clinic here and the this that there. You know, while we were talking about. Um, Tim, we're in a sad state when we look for these future Hall of Fame inductees. You know, I was looking at Tim Bradley's record while we were discussing him. I went back, and I realized when he turned pro in 2004, he never fought a non-Mexican fighter until about 2008 when he was 23 fights into his career. I don't know if they should have crafted him a little different as kind of like that anti-hero, because I don't think at that point in Floyd's career he hadn't really taken on that anti, you know, coming to right. the ring, wearing the sombrero thing. It was at that point they should have developed some type of rivalry, but they didn't do anything with it. Not a thing. No, absolutely, you're absolutely right. And, um, and because he didn't have a forceful personality, the, you know, he became a, a, just a guy. You know, and yeah, you you have to have you have you have to turn somebody into a star. You can't expect the stardom. You know, Kobe is different. Jordan is different. But Jordan came, you know, came out into the NBA having played at North Carolina. Where, oh, Absolutely. Michael Jordan. You know, though the joke was the only guy ever to stop Michael Jordan was Dean Smith. Mhm. Mhm. But uh, you know, but. Um, but you know, the, you you need you're absolutely right. You need just as you know, DeBella was remiss. Make Sergio Martinez, who's who's an exciting fighter and a good-looking guy, teach him how to speak English, and what's he worth? I, teach you know what? Can, I'm glad right? you said that. I'm so glad you said that. It's the same thing with Canelo. At this absolutely. point in his career, where they're trying to create create a craft over a star, why isn't Canelo speaking to us in English in spurts? But I'll tell you something that I've noticed just from my media four ways with Canelo Alvarez. Canelo speaks English. He just doesn't well, speak he lives, to the media. I noticed he, when we do these roundtable interviews with him, someone will ask he, him a question, yeah. and more often than not, 
he doesn't even need to wait for Eric Gomez or whoever's at his hip to translate it. He'll start answering you Absolutely. right back in Spanish. Why? 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 I don't understand that, especially when your promoter is Oscar De La Hoya, who was meant to appeal to not only Mexicans but Mexican-Americans. Why don't they want – I get that they want to keep hold tight to this whole Mexican heritage thing. Why don't they want Canelo to speak English? Makes no sense whatsoever. And the question becomes, do you have really intelligent people in, in the key positions in the boxing world? That's weird. I don't know. You know, in, in other words, okay, he's going to be a real Mexican. Well, you know, guess that? what? <laughs> guess what? He lives in, in this country, and we have a, you know, we have some pretty a pretty decent population of non-Spanish speakers as well. Mm-hmm. L- last I checked, I mean, your block and mine. I bet you we can find some non-Spanish speakers or bilingual oh, ab- people. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And I don't know. It, it just remains to be seen what happens with the the development of these of these fighters. Wow. Well, we can only hope that that they listen to us because you know uh, we we care about the sport, and and that's the thing. Do do the people who are making money from the sport are they bleeding the sport, or do they actually care about the well being of the sport? They're bleeding it. They see it as the last, you know, kind of. Um, what do you call it, like the open frontier before it gets, you know, someone actually makes a real move to get into determining oversight and, you know, rules and regulations like our other mainstream sports do. So it's kind of like that that frontier that everyone is still trying to plant their flag in before, you know, the government comes in and builds a road and a train right through it. Well, somebody should make should put you in a position in a key position because you've got a really intelligent take on on uh, on the 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 sport and the business and um uh I'd love for for somebody, you know, for them to to recognize intelligence and talent instead of just keeping up the old boys network. I thank you. I appreciate that. You know, I just try to look at the perspective you know, I think of an, what an English teacher told me many years ago, I think in high school, that you have to write as if your audience is something like 10 to 12 years old. So I try to look at boxing with the eyes, not as a casual fan per se, but as a person who likes sports but has some kind of common sense. And I right. think of the things that I would want to know as a consumer. I try not to look at it through my media goggles because that's not your, your average person. And that's the the other big faction that we have in the things that surround the sport as well. You have the media, and I love informed media who can give me educated opinions, but sometimes it's a little bit too purist that you miss the mark, and your average person is just like, huh, what? And you have to recognize who's consuming your sport. Our sport is now starting to become a younger sport, too with the addition of social media and with the competitive uh, attention-competing MMA, you know, mm. your consumer's younger. And so it doesn't make sense to try to make them feel dumb. Well, you don't know anything because you didn't watch uh, Muhammad Ali, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, you want them to watch these fights, but you kind of have to kind of guide them that way. 
to appreciate the, the sport and such that they go back and do the research to see the evolution of the sport, like you do with any topic you're interested in. But, you know, there's that faction where you have the overly purist and then you have, like, the faction of sports media that is just all about the, you know, pull out my camera phone. How does it feel to be a champ? I mean, what do you think? We, yeah, right, absolutely. It, it's great. But, uh, but <laughs> what I'll tell you, you, say? you know tell what, you. it sucks. I hate winning. I hate this extra money I got. It just absolutely. <laughs> what do you think he's gonna say? Yeah, no, but uh, but I'll tell you, it all comes down to, it'll all be corrected if and when they give us good fights. Absolutely. You know, the the people are speaking. Let's look at how PBC has been going these last few fights. You know, I felt like they kind of baited and switched us a little bit. 2015 looked like it was starting off with a bang, like, ooh, we're going to get these good competitive fights. And then as 2015 wore on, it was like, you know, Keith Thurman versus his neighbor. Well, you know, again, Danny Garcia when you ha- versus the guy on the corner. Yeah, when you, have, when you have Heyman wearing two hats, is he first and foremost a promoter or first and foremost a manager? The promoter, you know, the promoter's job is to get great fights. The manager's job is to make sure his guys don't get hurt and win. That's right. So there's a contradiction built in. And, you know, that's I, – I keep rooting for Heyman because boxing on, on free TV is fantastic. But potentially, but only if people say, wow, I was, you know, I was channel surfing. Man, I came across this great fight. Absolutely. You know, until such time as that happens, it's just, oh, Jesus, here we go again, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and and that doesn't work. Uh, And and if it fails, we won't get another shot at it. Yep, yep. Because people will pull their money quickly in things that they do not believe in. Well, look, you know, look look what Aram and, and Adelson did. In Macau, oh, that's going to be the next big venue, and from there it'll move to Singapore. You're not going to see any more fights in, in Macau, and you're not going to see any fights in Singapore. You know, they gave them bad fights. Shu Ming was a was a fraud. Manny fought a silly fight over there. You know, when Rigondeau fought on the undercard, you know, the whole place fled. So guess what? Over, which should have been. Uh, a really exciting, you know, new new world for boxing it expired. Mhm, mhm. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, Xu Ming was a, a real contender. You know, I mean, with as as fraudulent as boxing is, you know, by the second round of his first fight, he was the number two contender in the world. Mhm. You know, they had Come a good guy, they had a good thing going until they ran into uh, what was the kid who beat him? Uh, Ru- Ruin wrong. Was it ruined wrong? Yeah. I'm, I'm hot ruined wrong. But, you know, they were doing a great thing. But it was always so intriguing to me at how old he was and how they were, you know, bringing him along at a snail's pace. He was He's something – he's in his 30s, and it right. wasn't until well, a fight know, or two fights ago he wasn't even fighting like a full 10- or 12-round fight. He was still doing like four- and six-round fights. It was bogus. They were, they were making Shuming into Yao Ming. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, this is, you know, I don't know what our time frame is, but, um, you know, it is re- always really fun to talk to you. I mean, I, I'm seriously your your biggest fan, so uh, oh, I appreciate it's a pleasure that. for me to be on here. 
it's a pleasure to speak to you too. You know, it's good to have these. You know, I can't always have with the other formats that we do. You know, we have only a certain amount of time to get in all of the what's what for our informed slash semi-casual audience. And they just want to know, you know, that's our, our younger, I'll just say that's our younger audience. And they just want to know what's the fight, what's the odds, who knocked out who, who's talking trash. And that's pretty much the scope of what they want to know, and also they want to hear from the trainers about their favorite fighters or their favorite fighters themselves. On Saturdays, we do the After the Final Bell show, and that's just strictly, you know, recapping what we just saw. So it's great to do these type of really candid conversations where we can discuss what is legitimately happening in the sport and opine on what could be different. You know, and do it in well, a great format, and also in a you know in a fluid format because people so much gets lost in translation with writing, and people infer tone or you know bias that isn't there. You know, depending on what they want to see. Sure. So it's good to kind of have these conversations in a in a fluid format. Well, anytime you you're ready, I'm game. We can we can throw our uppercuts all night long. All day, all day. Well, for those of you who are listening, thank you so much for listening to the show. Remember, visit badculture.net. It's the holiday season. Click the Donate button. Keep Bad Culture Radio on the air if you are so inclined. Make sure you visit Amazon Prime and purchase El Boxeo, the documentary. Follow Alan Swire on Twitter, Al, S-W-Y-E-R, on Twitter. And once again, you have plenty of time before the holiday season ends to purchase El Boxeo, the documentary. If you are a fight lover, this is the video that you need, the movie that you need in your life. I enjoyed it tremendously, and I guarantee you will too. So with that, Alan, it's always a pleasure, and I look forward to uh, speaking with you again soon. The sooner the better. Absolutely. Okay. Many thanks. Real fun as always, and I and please, I hope people will turn in, tune in all the time because uh, this is a woman who really knows what she's talking about. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Okay. Be well. You too. Good night. Bye bye.